welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after party for people who need just a little bit more. We're two friends, Jason and Steph, and we aren't quite ready to sleep on all things pop culture. Welcome to Kick-Ons, because the party's not over. The night is young, no we're not done. Party back with ours, everybody's welcome to the kick-ons. You're welcome. Welcome to Kick-Ons, the pop culture after party for people who want just a little more. Jason, hello. Oh my god, hello. <laughs> Hi. I was just about to say, we've done this podcast in some states. Yeah. I think this is probably... The worst. This that, like there is literally not a drop of alcohol uh, around right now. I know because, that's never happened before, has it? Yeah, it really hasn't. But I couldn't. I'm like, I've got the sweats. Yeah, I've know? got the sweats too. Is it hot? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. We've been on a bender, guys. Yeah, I, was say, I don't know who we think we thought we were. I don't know. But we've been on a bender. Yeah. And. It could have actually been a lot worse. 100%. But uh, also the fact that, like, I sent myself home, <laughs> like, from a gig. Yeah. Because I wasn't making sense anymore. Yeah. I think that's quite bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to a Mamma Mia-themed bottomless brunch. Yeah. Which was great, but the thing about it that was shit was that it was at 10 a.m. And we'd been out the night before at a friend's party, so we had to, like rally to get ourselves out of bed yeah. to the place by 10. It was amazing. I like went into Steph's room and was like, okay, up time now. And she's like, my alarm is set for five minutes. And then I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And she gets up. She's like, oh my God, I just realized it's at 10, not 10 30. Yeah. yeah. The fastest get ready ever. Oh my God. But we literally got out of the Uber and it's like, we're like, oh my god, it's happening! Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Shout out to the Garden, the Garden Hotel, Hotel and Amanda Lahore. Yeah, drag drag queen superstar. Yeah, she looked after us really well. She did, yeah. and then of course we were left by midday, and so I had to keep drinking. So we did like a little tiki tour, and then ended up at the gig at San Fran. And apologies. Just at all. I know. Steph, all. Steph literally had to be like, Jason, you need to stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you were yelling in a really quiet room. <laughs> so there were some high highs and some low lows, as I described it to yeah. my colleague this morning. Um, but it was a good time. It was such a good time. And we are kicking on. We are kicking on. Today we are not alone. We are not alone. Probably the best um, silent guest we've ever had, you oh know, God, in that yes. beginning bit. Yes. Usually people are really distracting. Maybe that's because we're not as funny today. Oh my God. It's the sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, our guest today was one of the key things. And getting us through lockdown. Her regular Instagram lives were a moment of distraction amongst the craziness that was that time. She is a French-trained pastry chef and has worked in restaurants and patisseries around the world and is now back in Wellington running her own business, Sugar Flower, teaching her recipes to eager bakers at home or at her kitchen in Kilburnie. Please welcome to Kick-Ons, 
Maxine Schechter from Sugarflower. Welcome to Kick Off. Thank you. <laughs> Such an exciting welcome. Oh, great. There's so many typos in there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like squinting, squinting. Yeah. I, wrote, I wrote it about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. How are you guys? Well, oh, we already know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we're happy to see you. We've seen you on Instagram quite a lot, so it's nice to meet in person. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is. And we have been. Had requests for your presence <laughs> on kick-ons. Hopefully, that means those people that requested will listen. <laughs> Looking at you, Abby. Yeah, <laughs> you, Abby. Have you been on a podcast before? I've been on a few, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah, amazing. Okay. I feel like the cooking community is very like a really impassioned community. Yeah. Like, our ep- episode with Ada has only just surpassed as our biggest listen-to guest. Chloe Swarbrick just, like, by, like, four listens in the that's, last week. That's pretty yeah. incredible because Chloe Swarbrick is, like, amazing. It, but Kate Spiana is also amazing. Yeah, I know. So it is. I messaged her. I messaged her, Anna, last week. I was like, just so you know, like, you're still kicking Chloe's butt. And she was very strange. <laughs> and then she sent me a message that someone had said that she kind of looks like Chloe. She does. Yeah. There, there's a lot of still, they could be the same person. They could be. Yeah. She could does be. kind of look like Chloe. And they've got the same colour mocha master. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know that. Because you're obsessed. Confidential. <laughs> Definitely the same person. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, my God. Amazing. That's crazy. So how did you find yourself... Um, becoming a part of the cooking community. <laughs> um, I didn't actually really get much of a choice, to be honest. Um, my parents own this shop um, out in Petoni called Entrees, or it's now called Schechter's Deli. Yes. Um, so I grew up in that shop. So, like, they didn't, they couldn't afford a babysitter. They, you know, didn't take me home after school. I sat there and did my homework, and I worked there every weekend since I was old enough to talk, really. Wow. Um, and so I was already part of the food community. Like, I was already known. My dad's quite a big personality. So I was right. always known as Stephen Schechter's daughter. Um, and then when it came to, like, career-wise, I really wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, but that would have been awful, so I'm glad I didn't. Um, but I'm very stubborn, so I was not going to let anyone tell me otherwise. But every day on the way to school, and I went to school in Lower Hutt, and we live in... Lyle Bay, like just down the road from here, actually. Um, my mum would be like, You should become a pastry chef. I really think you'd be a good pastry chef. And she just nagged me into it <laughs> until one day I was like, If I say yes, will you just shut up? And she was like, Yeah. And I was like, Okay, fine. And then that was it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a pastry yeah. chef. Then. Yeah, fine. Just and I'll shut do it up. really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she knew that I was like, Because I baked all the time at home. Wow. So, like, she knew that I wasn't shit, you know, <laughs> had some, like, verification, I guess. Yeah, that's so good. Have you been to Entrees? No. Oh, it's the best. I don't know yeah. if it's still the same setup, but you, like, get a little coffee. Yeah, no, it's it's different now, Um, but they have, like, this seating, and you can go and get a Reuben sandwich, <gasps> and they have, like, different options. So if you're, like, vegetarian, you can get vegetarian options, and their food yes. is just, obviously, I'm biased, but their food is amazing. Yeah. It's just real. It's nothing fancy. It's really, like, Jewish, 
deli home style my parents kind of cooking yes. big portions not that expensive I was just yeah. gonna say before but I was like is this a stereotype but like you always hear about like the overbearing Jewish mother who's yeah. just like obsessed with her kid being a superstar yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my parents aren't like too bad but also they definitely had like um my parents I felt like I related a lot to like um again don't want to sound like I don't know, stereotypical, but all the Asian girls at school, you know, who had parents who were like, you've got to get an A, you've got to work really hard, and then also actually owned, like, their own business and were really hardworking. Like, I related with those girls a lot more than the other girls whose parents had, like, nine-to-five office jobs and were not as, like, pushy about things and not as protective. My parents were very protective. That's so cool. I love that because I'm, like, to see... From the from now to back then, you're like mm. wow, and I feel like as an adult, you can appreciate that so much more. Yeah, at the definitely. time, you're probably like it's a little insight for Steph into <laughs> when she becomes Jewish. Oh, yeah, no, we really need to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> got any cousins? Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing. <laughs> so you've been working since forever, then? Yeah, literally, like. I worked for my parents since I was tiny Um, and then I got my first proper job I guess I wasn't getting paid but I started like interning at Logan Brown when I was 16 Um, so like weekends and school holidays and then a year later I started being paid for that and it became like a oh what's an internship in the cooking community um well it's actually called a stage that's like the French word for it um, and it's basically, you kind of, depends where you go, you do all the shit jobs that other people don't want to do. Um, I didn't get too much of that at Logan Brown because I was, like, quite young and they were just, like, Sean, the chef, was kind of just doing my parents a favour by letting me go in for a few days and then I think I was also, like, not in the way. Mm. So they were like, okay, when I was like, can I keep coming? They were like, yeah, I guess. You're <laughs> not, like, you're not annoying anyone. So, yeah, <laughs> come along. Um And just kind of learning things from the very, very basics. So you start out being the person who, like, peels all the apples and makes the basic recipes. And then as you get better at things and more confident, you get to do the harder recipes and help out during service. And just eventually that grows into being able to, like, run the section and write your own prep lists and order stuff and all that kind of thing. So working at Logan Brown, did they... um have like you do one set thing and you learn to do it really well and then someone comes in like like hey today's um, the day no not really because it wasn't really a thing that they like did that much oh, yeah. you know it wasn't like like some places especially in Europe a lot of restaurants have like a program mm-hmm. you know and stuff that you specifically do whereas for them it was just kind of like giving me stuff to do and then you know like the pastry chef would kind of Uh, In kitchens, you can pretty easily see if someone is absolute trash or not, like, Mm -hmm. and you can very quickly gain their skill level. And so you can be like, yes, you can make the pastry, but this job is a bit too hard for you. They won't say it, but they'll, like, think that and then give you things that are appropriate. Yeah. So you know when you can do anything on the list that you're fine. Um, And it would just be that, like, I wanted to see service and my dad would come pick me up because I couldn't drive yet. And he would kind of have to wait for me more and more. And then someone was like, do you just want to stay for service? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> um, 
And then after that, they kind of just let me stay. And I guess just the more you do things, like I was probably pretty trash to start with. Um, yeah. I think I was just like very shy <laughs> and good. Very shy and good at like not being in the way. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like a nuisance. So they kind of let me hang around. Let me hang around. Yeah. Was there someone there that like Sean or someone that became like a bit of a mentor or? Um, not kind of like Sean. I already knew Sean. Um, I was still pretty shy, but like. I kind of knew him enough to to kind of talk to him a little bit. I think um, my real mentors were um, at Weltec um, mm. when I started training there and also the chefs I worked for in France and maybe a few in London, but, um, yeah, mostly the ones in Paris, they were, like, real. They really focused on making me better. They really, like, put a lot of effort into me. That's amazing. So, yeah. So Weltec, was that, like, a... What's the course? Uh, it's changed a lot now, but I did, I think, a year of cookery, which I didn't want to do, um, but back then you had to if you wanted to do pastry. Right. So I did a year of that and then six months of pastry there. Wow. Yeah. And is there, like, a big com- commercial kitchen that you go in and do that? In, uh, yeah, they've got, like, campus? five, four, four, five wow. kitchens that you kind of, like, do stuff in and you do your assessments and you learn different things and it's just kind of, like, a big kitchen with lots of little sections around it. Wow. Do you yeah. need these qualifications to... No. no one, like, going into a chef job, no one is, like, minimum experience of this certificate. They're, like, minimum experience two years in a kitchen with two stars or more. You know, like, they Michelin want experience. Yeah, yeah. We we went to um, a drama school that had uh, at um, CPIT and that has Mm -hmm. like a cooking school there. So we did run in some circles with some chefs at that time. So we, I feel like we like (laughs) I can see it all in my head. I'm like seeing you doing this thing, but in the CPIT. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. So how did you get from Welltech to France? Um, it was kind of like, it just kind of happened. So I met this girl who I'm still friends with, Scarlett, um, and she was a bit ahead of me. And she was telling me that she knew this girl who had just gone to uh, France to go to, I think, to Lyon um, to like live in this old castle and learn pastry. And I was like, what that sounds amazing and then I went home and told my mum and I was like I was still like 17 at this point 17 or 18 um I told my mum and I was like man doesn't that sound cool and she was like because when I was really lucky that when I worked for my parents they always paid me even when I was really young so they would give me like 20 dollars for the day and be like put that put that somewhere and then when I was old enough they like got me a bank account and then my brother is crazy smart and when he was like 13 he was like investing in shares and stuff um, and, then my, <laughs> and then my parents like verified that it was like a good thing to do and then they were like okay he's actually done some good stuff so they were like well we better put Maxine's money in there otherwise it's going to be really unfair um and so because of all of that I had quite a bit of money saved that I just didn't really have a use for 
not that there's no use for money, yeah. but like I wasn't like working towards anything. And my mum was like, well, you can afford it. Why don't you go? And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And then <laughs> so I researched some schools and then I did some maths and I was like, okay, so I'm going to apply for this school in France. And then I applied and I didn't think I was going to get in and I thought I was going to have to wait for like months to get a reply. And then one day within like two months, I opened up my email and it was like, you have been accepted. And I screamed, like I screamed. My mum was like, where's the spider? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I got in, I got in. Um, And yeah, so it pretty much, it was really good timing, I guess. Um, I finished my WellTech course in July of that year, um, but I was doing quite a lot of competitions at WellTech. So I stayed on to do the Tope Door, which is quite a big, or used to be, it's not so big anymore, but like 13 schools from around the country would go to oh. Auckland to compete. Um, so I kind of stayed on, just kind of hung around at Welltech, getting ready for that. Then I did that. And then a week later, I flew to France. Wow. What so, did you have to do for the competition? Like make um, something in the like, yes. Chef? So it was like, <laughs> kind of, um, it was like a three course meal. It was a team competition. So oh, there were um, two chefs. And a front of house person. And you make a three course meal within certain amount of time. I think it was like three hours. Um, but the starter has to be served between a certain time. The main right. a certain time and the dessert a certain time. Um, and then you get judged on that. And then judged on your front of house. And the overall total scores um, wins the competition. And it's like $2,000 each. Wow. Um, so yeah. wait, the front of house part of it, is it someone like pretending that they're in an actual restaurant? Yeah, they like have that? it set up and you, but you have to do very like traditional service. Yeah. So you have to um, like prepare a salad by like table side and you Ooh. have to do like wine matches and you have to, there's this thing called crumbing the table, which is where you get rid of the breadcrumbs from the tablecloth and there's like a technique to do it. So they judge you on all of those things. Wow. Who makes this shit? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Gorgeous. So yeah. you went over to France just and started studying. Yeah. Had you been before? No. <gasps> that's awesome in Lyon yeah no I went to Paris I looked at different schools and then eventually I chose this one in Paris which was uh, called Ferrandi and is very like well known had a special program for international students was um within my budget um they're all cost the same pretty much um but yeah it was like affordable and also like Paris. Yeah. Who doesn't want to live in Paris? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, you are Emily in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so good. And what was it? Just like cooking every day? Yeah. So it was um, It was very intense, the course, compared to like the Welltech course was like a few hours a day. This mm-hmm. was like a full day, sometimes like a really long day. Wow. Um, they were very intense so it was just in pastry um so it was like very specialized and like our second or third day in the kitchen we made apple tarts and they lined them up from best to worst and (laughs) that was how all of our assessments went you got a score from one to 20 if you got less than 10 that was a fail and they would just go around the teacher went around the classroom and he didn't like have a sheet of things you know how here they're like um I don't know, pastry is 
well-made tart shell is thin enough apples are sliced nicely you know they don't have that they just he looks at it and he goes 15 and looks goes to the next one he goes nine he goes to the next one and in front of everyone there's no like privacy and then he just writes it on a piece of paper and then goes and puts it in the computer and that's it wow yeah it's very like um yeah (laughs) <laughs> very, very, it prepares you for the real world. Yeah. Um, and then we also had, we had a bunch of different classes because it was also like a very privileged experience. So we had a wine tasting class nice. um, and we had like an art class so we could learn to like draw our pastries for, because that's quite a big, in France, it's much more of a, like a way of life and it's a much mm. more um like proper career I guess mm-hmm. um and there's more aspects to it and so uh we had this ex-pastry chef um who was very very popular worked at a very very big patisserie um and he was also like an artist and so he taught us how to how to kind of paint our pastries when you're designing a pastry but then I have them on the shelf at Sugarflower we had these things that we put in for our assessment, spent hours on them. And then he just wrote your marks straight on your painting. Aww. He would give it back to you and then he would, like, sign it and write it really big. Aww. What if it was yeah. like that too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just put it on there. They did not care. Wow. What was living in France like for you? Did you? Um, It started off not that great, to be yeah. honest. So I got this really cute studio apartment. Um, It was very close to the school which was my main reason for picking it because I didn't know like I didn't want to rely on public transport Mm. I was very anxious so I just wanted something easy um it was up six flights of steps, so that was like a thing. And there's no elevators. You yeah. are equally in Paris. I was like, I'm yeah. just watching this on Netflix. <laughs> um, and I had a very French experience. So we got into the apartment. My mum like dropped me off I guess she your mom take she you? took me and then oh, she I love had such an awful time she missed my dad so much that she was there for like three days and then she went home early oh because she so couldn't she couldn't cute. handle it and I was like it's fine I'm independent I don't need you which probably didn't help her yeah, yeah. um but yeah, when we got in the apartment, there were three locks on the door and I was like, oh my God, this is so safe. No one is ever going to break in. They've got to walk up all these stairs. They've got three locks to get through. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. I actually said those words. A week later, uh, oh. we had made all these tarts um, in class. And since everyone was new to Paris, we thought we'd go try out some pastries. And I was like, well, my apartment is really close to the school. Let's all put our pastries there and then we'll go out and we can try different things so we put everything up there and when we were walking down there were like six of us there was this guy who I didn't know but I just moved in and I was like oh he must be my neighbor so I was like oh bonjour (laughs) not realizing that French people don't talk to their neighbors so like (laughs) that was already weird um and then we were out eating some pastries and then I got a call from one of the people at the school and they were like the police are trying to contact you someone's broken into your apartment you need to go back. And it was that guy that we saw Whoa. on the stairs. So I went back and they kicked my door down and, like, <gasps> taken heaps of stuff. Uh, didn't take any of the tarts, though. <laughs> and then the police were so unhelpful and I just didn't know, like, they said I couldn't go in until they sent the forensics people. But then it was, like, 10 o'clock at night and they still hadn't come. So I went and, like, stayed in a hotel 
And every time I called the police to, like, find out what was happening, they were like, we have no record of this. And I was like, yes, you do. Like, you definitely do. And then they, ah, no, that's right. Because we had seen the guy and one of my neighbors had called the police who saw him trying to kick the door down. And then I also met, like, so I met two of my neighbors through that. Um, The police came and took us around to, like, try find the person. Um, like he put three of us in the back of his car and we just like drove around looking for him. But they, I just remember, I don't really remember it very clearly, but somehow they knew that he had changed his shirt and we knew he was wearing quite a bright light blue shirt and they didn't tell us that. So we're all looking for this guy wearing a blue shirt, but he's not even wearing a blue shirt anymore. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, And it was just, insane and then my neighbor told me that the next day he uh held up a pharmacy on our street and like tried to steal a bunch of stuff um but he never got like I don't know nothing ever really happened yeah. to him did um, you stay at the apartment yeah my mum wanted me to leave yeah um but I couldn't afford anything else so that was like not not really happening and I did like it yeah. a lot and I just got the police I remember them telling me like your door wasn't reinforced I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, you should have had a reinforced door. I was like, I'm from New Zealand. Yeah. We don't even lock our doors, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my landlady built this giant, like, lock that goes into the ceiling and into the floor. Oh, and apparently good. that's much more normal in Paris to have a very, like, high security lock so people don't kick down your doors. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah, Did that you... was my yeah, introduction. <laughs> And my mum was like, I'll come back. I was like, you literally just got home. Oh, yeah, no, no. Was Did you make friends with the people you were on like, yeah. the course with and stuff? Yeah, they were all really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. From yeah, all over the really world? Good. All over the world. So, like, um, there were some Israeli people, um, some Singaporean girls that were, like, probably my closest friends there, um, an Australian girl we were quite close, oh. some Americans, Indian girls, um, mostly girls. There were a few guys. There was, like, a Mexican guy. Um, but, yeah, people from everywhere, which was very, very cool. Yeah, that is cool. And they yeah. all bring their own, like, flavour mm. to the, yeah. to, to what they're cooking and, like, what yeah. they know and what's, like, inherent to them and their style of cooking. And then did you stay or...? Yeah, so I did that for six months. Um, and then part of the course in order to pass was you need to do a three to six month internship. Oh. Um, so I chose to do a six month internship um, at this place called Gatothomia. So it was really close to the Eiffel Tower. Um, and I chose it like they basically gave us this list of everywhere in Paris. Um, and I went through and I looked at each place and I was like, this place, I really like their stuff. I can walk there. Um because I don't know what time I need to start. And, um, like, stuff like that was Mm. what I looked at. And then I went and tried the stuff before. I was quite particular, Mm -hmm. as if I, like, I don't know, had some kind of, like, importance. (laughs) Um, And then I got it, and it was such a perfect fit fit for me. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was amazing. And then did you go to London after that? No. So then I came home, um, and I was home for a few months. Um, I got a job somewhere and it did not uh, didn't work out very mm. well um the two other guys in the kitchen like lived together and they one of them was alcoholic and I walked in one night one morning and like there was smashed glass and someone had left the key and was like I quit um 
Whoa. And it was just very intense. And I was like, I need to, yeah. I need I to get out of this situation. To yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I just text Bella and I was like, hey, you might want to get down here. Yeah. Um, they've sorted themselves out now. I that's think good. it's a different chest. But yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't great. Yeah, that's hard. Um, so I wanted to go to Singapore and I applied for my Singaporean visa and I got a job there and everything. And then I was like about to book my tickets and I still hadn't got my visa. And then I emailed them and they were like, oh, your visa got rejected. Um, didn't you get our email? And I was like, no, I definitely did not get your email. So I was like, well, I need to get out of here now. Um, so I just applied for my English visa because it was so easy. Mm. And my mum came home and I was like, so I'm moving to England. <laughs> just FYI, things have changed a bit. Um, and yeah, and then in January of that year, I flew to London. Wow. And how yeah. long were you there? Two years. Wow. That's crazy. And you yeah. worked at Fat Duck? Yeah. So I worked at a few places. Yeah. Um, I worked at a place called Sketch, which is very like yes. Instagram. Very made in Chelsea. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yes. We love. Um, I actually lived when I was working there, I lived in like Chelsea and Fulham. And my roommate told me, she was like, sometimes if you look out the window, you can see the people from Made in Chelsea, like, walking down our street. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, very weird. Um, so Wait, sketch the one with, like, the little pod kind of yeah. things and the pretty toilets. Yeah. 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 Oh, my so, God. I love that you know the. <laughs> yeah. I was all over Instagram. Yeah. 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 It's lots of pink. You'd really like it. Yeah. It's full on pink. And it's, um, the dining room is designed by this artist called David Trigley. And he's just got all these sketches everywhere, which is why it's called Sketch. Uh, um, and then the plates match and, like, things um, like the sugar pots, because it's very well known for its high tea. You'll empty the sugar and, it, oh, no, on the front of it, it will say cocaine. And then the other sugar pot will say, like, heroin or something like this. And, like, <laughs> he has teacups and at the bottom it says an empty cup. So when you finish drinking, you see, like, an empty cup and stuff like that. Wow. It's very, like, a very particular sense of humor yeah. that he has um did you just like rock up and be like hey do you have any jobs uh or? no so I sent um I sent a email before I left and then they like offered me a um trial day and I trialed at another restaurant as well but then the day before the week I got to London actually actually the day I got to London the old chef from the place in Paris called me and they were like, oh, this person is leaving. Do you want a job? And I was like, oh, so unsure. But then I realized that if I moved to Paris, I would lose my visa and I couldn't get it again. So I decided to stay in London. Um, And then a week later, he called me again and he was like, oh, you're going for a trial at Sketch tomorrow. And I was like, "Uh, what? How do you know that? And he was like, oh, I used to work with the sous chef there and he saw like the thing on your CV. And so I kind of, I didn't know I had the job already, but I was pretty confident. Yeah. Um, and so, and that meant that the sous chef at Sketch already really liked me, which was quite a big, yeah, quite a big bonus going in. Um, so yeah, I went for a trial, and I had another job offer at the other place I trialed at, but then I decided Sketch was like I could learn more there. Mm. So. Yeah, I did six months there and then I quit because the head chef was batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, get me out of here. Um, it was a bit of a shame, but it was just, it was too, too much. much. Yeah, it was like Gordon Ramsay is just like a puppy dog compared to what he was like. Wow. Was awful. I was going to ask you about that because there's, 
like a lot of I think I guess personalities that go mm-hmm. on in hospitality and Gordon Ramsay's a good example but like we've you all have ways of heard stories about like crazy angry chefs yeah is that something that you think is common or? it is pretty common yeah. um I feel like um in London I feel like it was much more of like a kind of pressurized environment it was a very yeah. big kitchen and I'm sure this happens a lot in London um very hot mostly kitchens are underground but also people are just taking a lot of drugs over there yeah here I was never really exposed to that I don't know if it was because I was a lot younger um but I think also people don't do it during work hours mm. um because we have reasonably okay hours here but over there you'd work like easily 18 hours a day without a break Wow. You get shit food. You just um, go home and get drunk and go to bed. Pretty much, mm. that's what like people were like. Um, and yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of that. That yeah. kitchen had like probably seventy or eighty chefs in there. Wow. Um, and I just remember, I think the day I knew I was gonna quit was this guy that I actually really liked. We were quite good friends. He was really nice. Um, he got really angry and he just threw a plate of food because someone mucked up the order, like flung the plate across the room, not just like a little smash it down yeah. and it smashed and just no one even flinched. Yeah. And I was like, this is not, this is not okay. And like everyone who kind of tried to say something to the head chef about how fucking mental he was, yeah. they were just like shut down. Mm. So, and when yeah. you're like the head chef, like you know, people going there probably because he's the head chef and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah, it would be very hard to like bring that ego down. down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And surely there is a world in which, like you know, you can be have like a functioning, happy work environment even if it's really high pressure. Yeah, I definitely found that such a big comparison when I went to the Fat Duck. There was no shouting or screaming. No one broke any plates. Everyone was pretty much nice to each other. We were all friends. People helped each other out. That's good. Most of the time. Is the Fat Duck Houston? Yeah. 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 How do I know this? Because you're part of the company. <laughs> yeah, look at you go. <laughs> That's so good. Was he there? Was... Uh, not very much, no. I did see him a few times. Yeah. Um, and his son worked there and we became quite good friends. Cute. Um, but yeah, he himself was out doing his thing. Stuff. His yeah. thing. And then you moved back here. Was that just because your visa ran out? Um, it's a very, it's oh. a bit of a story. I... So I got pretty <laughs> um burnt out working at the Fat Duck because we were working insane hours, and yeah. I was just, I was really depressed. I was super exhausted. I just like, I just pretty much like wanted to kill myself a hundred percent of the time. So I was like, okay, I need to do something else, and I love art and art history. So mm-hmm. um. I applied to university in London to go study art history, um, even though I feel like that's not a very useful degree. Uh, when I was a very practical, like, hands-on, like, cooking is very useful. There's no denying that. Art history is a bit like, what are you really going to do with that? Yeah. But I still did it. <laughs> Teach um, art history. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got accepted into university and I moved back into London. Um, I started working. At first I was working as a temp chef. Um, going around like different restaurants and hotels and stuff. But then I got a job in Borough Market, which oh. is just the most amazing food market 
ever it's just if I could live anywhere I would just live in the market I just (laughs) love it um and then there was this whole thing about I had to I was still on that visa that I was on and I had to change to a student visa but to get the student visa I had to get a number from the university and the university wouldn't give me the number until I landed in New Zealand and I couldn't make the appointment for my visa renewal in New Zealand until I had the number and I couldn't it was just like this big string of things and it was just too risky to come back to New Zealand and have to maybe wait three months for my visa appointment Mm. I still had to pay university fees even if I wasn't going I would get kicked out of university if I didn't go frequently enough I don't know if that's a thing here is that a thing in New Zealand that if you don't go to university you get there's like I think there is an attendance um there's real important ones yeah yeah, but, but I was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, this is so intense. If you don't go for like three weeks, you get kicked out. Wow. And I was like, well, I'm going to get kicked out, but you're still going to charge me. And I just oh. like came to the realization that it was just Too not, not going to work. Especially if your mental health was like at a really yeah. low point. That's like literally the last thing you need. Yeah. That's crazy. Because you have spoken a lot, well, a bit on your Instagram about. Yeah mental health and in the cooking community as we're calling <laughs> <Yeah>. it now <laughs> I'm gonna rename it that yeah <laughs> how important is it for you to like talk about that kind of stuff to your following and other people in the industry I didn't I never used to talk about it very much yeah um but recently I've had quite a lot of friends who have kind of started saying like oh I just got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I'm really struggling and so I realized that there's quite a lot of people that I know who struggle mm. with it and don't talk about it. Um, and then I also, um, I talked about it a bit after I did a podcast with Migraine New Zealand, because for me, like I have chronic migraines and that and my mental health are very closely connected. Mm. So I think that kind of made me talk about it a bit. And then even more, I recently read David Chang's autobiography. So he owns this chain of restaurants called Momofuku. Um, and Mamafuku Milk Bar, and so they're in New York um, and other places in America, and there's one in Sydney, and he's very highly respected in the food world, um, and he talks a lot about his mental health issues, um, and that made me want to talk about it more, um, because it felt, it was very sad reading it, but very comforting as well, um, like there was one bit where basically he talked about opening his restaurant, and he was like, I was either going to open this restaurant and either succeed I was going to open it and fail or kill and kill myself or I was going to kill myself like those were my three options so like I figured might as well open the restaurant because they all result in either a slim chance of it being really good or just me being dead so it doesn't really matter um and I felt that quite personally like that really resonated quite a lot with a lot of my experiences especially Mm. with university for me it was either go to university or kill myself so might as well just go try it and if it doesn't work you know you know like which sounds so ridiculous saying it's a lot of pressure on it going well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that was probably not like I mean my mind wasn't saying the most normal things anyway but it is yeah looking back at it I was like that's and it's really not a good way to deal with things. It's quite lonely. Too, yeah. Um, which I think is cool that you are now uh, feel comfortable at talking about it. Yeah. Because oh, everyone is going through yeah, something. Totally. Um, yeah. And not everyone has the language to 
um, be able to talk openly about it. So it's just reading someone else being open about it, I think is comforting. Yeah, and I think um, one thing that also spurred it was like, um, my dad has never been very good at talking about it and kind of something happened and he wasn't really talking about it. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Because they did raise me as like, when you have an issue, you need to talk about it, you know? And whenever I was like actually sick and I was feeling really down or also with my migraines, he would always ask me if I was depressed. Like he was still, he didn't not acknowledge that it was a thing that could happen, Mm. but at the moment he's not very good at talking about it in person, like face to face, he can't really do it. Mm. I kind of realized that if I have this family that I always thought was so good at dealing with these issues, but actually recently he's just not, Mm. then maybe a lot of other people have that too. And I know that he's okay. I mean, he doesn't really have a choice to be fair. (laughs) No, like whether he likes it or not, I'm still going to have depression. Um, But like he is, he will help me when I need help. But I know that I have friends who haven't told their families because they don't think they will help them. Yeah, or understand. Yeah. I was just finding the in to bring that up, I guess. Yeah. And also, like, um, one of my friends, she said to me, like, her family has talked in quite a, like, discriminatory is that a word okay great way about people with mental health so she or mental health issues everyone yeah mental health but you know and so she doesn't want to tell them because she already knows that they have that kind of notion about it and that makes me so sad yeah because her family will probably be like oh my gosh why haven't you told us sooner you know but it is hard because of course she's going to think that if that's yeah. what it's always been like mm. for her. But, like, you being spurred on by that book, someone will see your post and feel, you know, it's like a snowball effect but in a good way. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to be, like, I don't know, I guess you're all perfectionists. Like, yeah. you chefs. Like, it's a real, um, like, labour of love kind of thing. And so, yeah, can sort of see how they are all sort of interlinked, these high-pressure situations, getting drunk after work. Like, that's probably just all to mask that these people were maybe really unhappy. Yeah. It's like a crazy cycle that needs to be broken or at least just brought out into the... Into the light. Into the light. It's not... um, It doesn't need to be hidden. But you've got quite a big following. How did that Yeah, it's very weird. Even now, (laughs) like, even thinking about, like, coming on this podcast, I was looking at all this stuff we were kind of going to talk about, and I was like, why does anyone care about (laughs) what I have to say about this? Like, I am just a person. I'm not even, like, a celebrity or anything. Like, okay. (laughs) All right. Um, And so I kind of... I think in the food community, I already, like I said, my dad is very well known. And even now, I'm still, for a lot of people, I'm not Maxine Schechter. I'm Stephen Schechter's daughter. And I used to hate that, but now I'm okay with it. Um, (laughs) And so when I came back home, there was already, like, people knew, like, I'd been over in France. The community is very small here and very gossipy. Mm. So there was already, like, that. Um, And then when I decided to open Sugar Flower... Um, there was like an article in the paper, which was amazing, obviously. And it was um, something about like Heston trained chef opens cafe and that everyone loves Heston because mm. of MasterChef Australia. So everyone was kind of like super into that. And then it's just kind of grown um, like 
a lot and I'm just like that's a lot of people that just look at photos of my food and sometimes it's weird I'll go places and like I went to Moon Bar the other day and the guy was like are you the sugar flower girl and I was like yes he was like I recognize your voice from your videos (laughs) and I was like okay so weird I think it was maybe the owner because his Uh, uh, partner had done a few it's like um, he's got like a big a lot of them have a big beard yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, because did you start it as it was start, opened as a cafe? Yeah, uh, and then has since transitioned. Yeah, yeah. It opened as like a cafe patisserie with the idea of uh, using it as a restaurant as well. Mm. Um, but then I realised that I was way too tired to do a patisserie and a restaurant, so stayed as a patisserie. Um, and it was doing really well. Uh, but I was uh, I decided. For some reason, I was like, I don't need my antidepressants. I don't need that. And I was like, I don't need my migraine prevention medicine. I don't need any of that. I'm just going to be just gonna be free. And that was a bad idea. Mm. Um, so slowly things kind of built up. Um, and I was just starting to really hate it. Um, like I loved doing it, but I just like didn't want to get out of bed. I was getting really depressed and my boyfriend had to like – wake up with me at 5 a.m on a Sunday and be like you can do this like Mm. your food is really good people every morning he had to give me a pep talk and we'd only been dating for a few months so god knows why he put up with that (laughs) like I still don't know um and so I was really like I need to get out of this because I'm not doing well Mm. um and then I was also like I feel like looking back I was not a very good boss I wasn't like a good person to work for because I wasn't in a good space um but I then started taking antidepressants again and then became a bit like clear and was like okay what I want to do is teach people how to bake because that's what I love doing and people want to do that so I can take this kind of what I've already built and there's a lot of people coming in and people who do really enjoy my food and then turn that into something where I can have a life and Mm. I can be happy and I can still do what I love wow yeah that's that's so cool and during lockdown you were doing like Instagram lives and baking boxes yes that's so, it was so cool to watch. Thank I you. I didn't make anything, <laughs> but I watched. She was there. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, that was my mum's idea, actually. And it was something I'd been planning from the beginning of the year anyway. And I just oh. never got round to it. And then lockdown happened. And I was like, well, now's the time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was really good. Was that it hard was, because, like, flour, you couldn't get flour? Um, I was quite lucky because I go to, like, Milwaukee's quite oh. a lot. And so they were, like, if you need – they were pretty good at talking to the people actually in the industry and being, like, if you need me to save you flour, we'll save you flour. Oh, and other, good. like, restaurant owners and stuff like that were really good to be, like, we can share share mm. ingredients with you. That's so nice. Um, so it wasn't too hard getting stuff. The hardest thing was, like – Packing it all up takes ages, and then delivering it took mm. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, I just, I shouldn't even be allowed to look at cars because I look at a car and it breaks down. Um, so I, I went through like my car broke over lockdown and then I was driving my dad's car and then that broke down over lockdown and then I was using my mum's car and I got that stuck in a driveway somewhere and it was just like, yeah, the delivering was definitely the worst bit for me. It's not a good time. But it's so good. Has it changed the way you do things at all? Lockdown or Um, COVID or? It hasn't 
it changed a bit of my business. Like I'm trying to be uh, a bit more on Instagram because I think I found that very like helpful and I'm not really always, I kind of forget about it, especially when I'm busy, mm. but I realize that it's quite important. Um, personally, actually, lockdown changed a bit because I started exercising and I did not exercise before that at all. Hated being sweaty, hated anything that involved hard work. Um <laughs> But yeah, besides that, not too, not yeah. too much. I feel like I'm kind of back, back normal now. That's good. And where do you have like a vision of what you kind of want Sugar Flower to be? Is this sort of what you think? Yeah. Right now is um, I've got this really amazing opportunity. Um, the guys at Charlie Noble have mm-hmm. opened a catering company called the Food Lab, um, yeah. and so all their sweets are by Sugar Flower. And so oh. I um, work in their kitchen making, they've got this beautiful kitchen out in Miramar. Um, so I get to do now even more stuff. Like I get to do a huge mix of doing classes and doing stuff like that, which I love doing because I love creating new things. Mm. Um, and it's also made me want to do more um, more like pop-up stuff. Um, I've got a soft serve machine named Curly Whirly. Yes. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, look out because there will be a very good soft serve coming to Kilburnie. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I just want to, I don't know, I guess, I don't know if it's good or bad that I don't have like a set idea. I just want to kind of keep I think keep that's going. best though because then it's um, like you know what you love and yeah. you know what you want to feel when you're doing it and what mm. you're getting out of it. So just going with what works, like you were saying, you know, you shut it when you weren't in a great place and then actually that's been better because you've realised that the teaching of it is yeah the part that you love more. And then when you're doing the stuff for the food lab, are you just doing it on your own? No, so I get to go in there. Well, I do all my stuff on yeah. my own, but I get to work with them just in the same kitchen, oh, which is nice because yeah. I'm normally all by myself. So it's some like human interaction. Yeah. <laughs> that's so yeah. true. I never thought about like, it's just you doing it. Yeah. I think I would like that. You would like that. Yeah. I would hate it. Yeah, you would definitely (laughs) hate it. You really would. (laughs) Now that we've talked about your whole life, literally. (laughs) Oh, my God, amazing. Do you have something that you're loving right now, a bit of a life of the party? Yeah, um, because I work for myself by myself, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and there's this one uh, that I love at the moment that I feel like everyone should listen to. Great. Um, I'm really into true crime podcasts because I couldn't apparently be any more basic. Um, <laughs> but this one is called Pretend Radio, which is pretend. Um, and it's this guy, and he just does super interesting true crime stories, but they're not, like, gory. They're not, like, murder. They're more about, like, con men. And he actually Ooh. interviews con men and, like, just it's such a huge range he interviews people like priests who are con men and like look so that kind of thing and then people who like have been stealing credit card information since they were 12 and like stole their parents information and how they turn that into a career and what they do now <laughs> oh and my gosh I love it's just this. <laughs> so different and I love it it's yeah highly recommended also criminal is another yes. really good pod- podcast that I love that is just- that the like the tv show no, oh. no. So it's got this lady narrating it. Nar- cool. Narrating. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Narrating, yeah. yeah. Doing the talking. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, her name is Phoebe Judge, and she just has the most amazing voice. Ah, yes. Um, but she just tells these really cool stories, and again, they're just such different things, and everyone is just so interesting, and also her voice is just it's amazing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Also another one, sorry, I'm going to yes. start listening off everything. Ear Hustle, actually, Ooh. is this podcast um, from people inside San Quentin Prison in America. Oh my and God. it's like prisoners. very prisoners, yeah. So it's produced with people, a mix of people inside and outside the prison, and they go into the prison, prison and interview people about all kinds of different things. Wow! So they'll talk about like the food they eat and how they make different food, and like the pets that they keep. So they'll catch like cockroaches and make that as a pet. Um, Whoa, that's so. Gross. And I think <laughs> one of the some of it's really cool and interesting. Some of it's quite scary because it's like. I was listening, like, I listened to the whole backlog. Um, and then I was watching Orange, rewatching Orange is the New oh, Black. so good. And I was like, when I watched this the first time, I thought all of this was absolute shit. Like, I loved it, but yeah. I thought, like, there's no way this actually happens. And then listening to the stuff about San Quentin, I was like, this stuff actually happens. Wow. Like, people actually get treated that way for nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's really changed my mindset on a lot of things wow. as well. The new thing is crime TikToks, like oh. solving crimes through TikTok. I've like fell down a rabbit hole. I'm trying to get into TikTok, but yeah. it's too overwhelming and it's not like synced to anything that I yeah. actually like. And I saw this thing and this girl has like the, her stepfather has just been arrested and charged for the kidnapping and murder of her sister like 15 years ago oh yeah i know this yeah and i think she does a podcast as well which i'm gonna listen to it's so crazy yeah and it's crazy her story is crazy because at the time she wholeheartedly believed that her father did not do it yeah and she's completely changed her mind yeah it would just be heartbreaking yeah and it's only because she's done the tiktoks and the podcast that the police even took her yeah one of yeah. the things that I've really, like, learned from all these podcasts, because I listen to so many, and mostly, like, true crime ones, is you have to, like, something happens, you have to call the police station every day and be like, what's happening? Yeah. Why is this? Because, like, otherwise there's so many cases where it just gets Disappears, Especially in America. Like, yeah. we can't even We're, comprehend yeah, like, I know. how many people yeah. there are that makes up that place. It's so crazy. And what about something that's just not floating your boat? A bit of a... Um, Pink too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's it called again? <laughs> Pink too soon. Yeah. How much being an adult costs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just being an adult, full stop, and money. Yeah. And just all of that. Yeah, um... Me and my boyfriend, we went to a friend, Abby and Tom's house. Oh, and yes. I do not know if you have sat on the couch. Uh, I have. Okay. But I didn't enjoy it enough. You didn't enjoy no, it enough. I, did, I, I, I was just like, it was really quick. Okay, yeah. yeah. Because we have in our flat a couch that got given to Ben by someone he works with. And that was given to the person he works with by someone else. So it's not been paid for like two or three times in a row. It's not. It's not nice to sit on. Yeah. It doesn't look nice. It's not comfortable. We went to Abby and Tom's house. Me and Ben sat on the couch <laughs> and we were like, we need a new couch. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a few months ago. And then we asked them where they got theirs. And then we looked up couches and we were like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think that was their big speed. Yeah. Wasn't it, on oh my house. God. And it was so wise. Yeah. <laughs> like their couch is amazing. Yeah. So we've been like, 
we decided for Christmas we're just going to ask for money for a for a new couch. Nice, um, but like a brand new couch, a brand new Whoa. couch that was like our adulting dream. Um, and then we were out with his parents looking for furniture for them, and we saw this couch, and it's velvet green. Love. Um, and it was on sale. It was less than a thousand dollars. That's which really was good. like in our price range because everything else, everything really amazing was six thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. it's actually like, so insane. Yeah, like, people are like, I'm not going to be able to afford a house. I'm like, I'm never going to buy new furniture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just it costs, I know because we're like being able to afford a house. I've just given up on that. Yeah. Like that dream has died yeah. quite a few months ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and looking at furniture, and we were. Ben's parents are getting, like, a whole – they're building a house, so they're getting, like, new furniture for everything. And they found this table, and then they were looking at New Zealand-made chairs, and each chair was $1,000. And That's they were, crazy. like – They were so unsure, and they're still, like, not decided because I'm, like, I don't know, the warehouse has nice chairs. Yeah. Like, you know, like, that's just so much for, like, six things that you need. Um and but how yeah. often are you, you know, like, yeah. you spend most of your life at work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, the you depressing like nice thing is, at home. <laughs> you got to pay how for those chairs somehow. On the chairs, you know? Yeah, we're having issues too because that couch that's in here is the exact same situation, like, passed yeah. down, passed down, and it's, like, falling apart. And I just want something cute and velvet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, so we bought it. We, I was... Straight away, I was like, yes. Yeah. And Ben, he's very responsible. And he's like, he kept asking me, like, what do you think? What do you think? And eventually I told him, I was like, my answer is never going to not be yes. We need to buy this couch. <laughs> so, like, it's honestly your decision because if you don't want to buy the couch, we won't buy the couch. Yeah. Um. And so we got it. And then I've been showing photos to everyone. Oh, um, showing off it. your couch. Showing yeah. off my couch. Like, I, I haven't even yeah. got it yet. And I'm like, look at our new couch. Uh, um, and everyone's like, is it comfortable? And I have to look at them. And I'm like, look. <laughs> All right. Comfortable? Yes. Yeah. As comfortable as a $4,000 couch? Definitely not. Yeah. More comfortable than our like two-time hand-me-down couch? 100%. Yeah. Can I nap on it? I will make it work. Yeah, All yeah. Right? Like you have to reset your expectations yeah. quite a lot. Maybe we need to do that. We, I've heard on good authority that like the op shops in like Upper Hut and Pai Kakariki and Levin are where to go for furniture, like good yeah. secondhand furniture. So I'm like, we're going to go on a mission. But then how do you get it back here? And how do you get it down those stairs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Hire someone. Hire a, hire a Tom. Hire yeah. He'll do it for yeah. us. Yes, that's right. right. That's one of the best things about having the other Toms and all their other like group of friends just down the road from us. Yeah. Like that, a minute's walk is anytime we have something big, I just like send them a message and I'm like hey guys do you want to come like lift this thing down our stairs for us but you can pay them in sweets too yeah, yeah. well last time they did it I made dumplings <gasps> and then I realized that like one of them is vegetarian and like the others all had like food and I made like this huge plate of dumplings and no one wanted any uh, but they what? do get like all my leftovers from classes um especially Will who's um often very hungry because his, <laughs> his choice of cigarettes leads him to be quite hungry. Um, so I will come with like a box of donuts and he just looks like he's going to die. He gets so excited. So That's yeah, they, they get consistently paid. Yay. I mean, if the referendum goes through, I think your business is about to burn. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. It's really soon. Yeah. Oh, I know. Do we find I'm, out this week? Yeah, I think on the 30th. On, 
Oh, I thought it was. Oh, that's sooner than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think preliminary results on the 30th. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh, amazing. Yeah. Should we say the mantra? Yes, we shall. Yeah. Okay. 2001 to 2008, there ain't a song that we hate. We would love you to add a song. (laughs) All right. As soon as you said this, I instantly knew. Um. Untouched by the Veronica. Oh, yes. such a good one. Yes. We needed, I've been waiting for that moment. I've been waiting for it. That's so good. Um, okay, so picture this. You're in the club, there's smoke everywhere, the lights are dark, <laughs> and all you hear is, like everything goes so good. Yeah. Your friends like appear from everywhere and yeah. suddenly everyone's feeling untouched. And, oh, the Veronica's. Were absolutely. you in the club when the Veronica's came out? I don't think so. No, I, mean, I, was, oh, I don't know if I've seen the Veronica's live. I can't remember. Oh, they played at um, Edgefest or something back in like 2006. Oh, I, I rent. Yeah. I have. Oh my God, that's like, they're tiny. They're yeah. so tiny in real life. Yeah, oh my god, it's such a good one. Oh, so yeah. good. Were you into like just all that? At uh, that age? Like, no. So my parents, like I said, were very protective and I was very like um not scared, but like they were very honest. If they thought something was not good, they would be like, What is that shit music? Oh, <laughs> oh so I was very like and I wasn't that bothered by it. I was not like a cool girl. Um and I didn't like really fit into that crowd, but I remember being on a plane back from holiday in Australia and I discovered the Veronica's Untouched and I listened to it on repeat the whole time because oh I was God. just like this so is amazing but every time I wanted to like buy a CD I remember being like a bit older than that and Lily Allen's CD oh, came out and it had God. fuck you on the yes. thing and my mum wouldn't let me get it because it said fuck you and I was like you swear all the time <laughs> first of all <laughs> um, and then my dad bought it for me in secret Oh, I love your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I love both your parents. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I literally remember like being a kid and having Christina Aguilera's stripped album and just like dancing in my room being like, want to get started? <laughs> <laughs> Not like, understanding it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. having no on. clue what was going on. My, my parents had no choice. <laughs> I, I was really into um, Hannah Montana's music, yes. which like looking back now, I'm like, no, uh, be, I was, just uh, just be proud. Yeah. I had like changed. five songs on my iPod and they were all Hannah <laughs> Montana. All of it. So good. I saw an iPod recently. I got such a fright. Yeah. Like an old school one. Yeah, someone at work has one for some reason. <laughs> and Yeah, so ulti. And yeah, it was, they were just, yeah, it was cool. like, wow, it was quite a big one. Um, what I was going to ask was what are your like current fave spots in Wellington for oh. food, anything? Um, my time. current current favorite is Moon Bar. Yes, um, oh. for main reasons are <laughs> their pizza is so good. It's so good. Why <laughs> would you? And on a Wednesday, it is ten dollars. Yeah, ten dollars for a margarita with basil on. Yes, like and they have the chili oil at hand. Yes, and they have this beer always. It's not a cider. Sorry, it's the peach bomb. Oh yes, it just tastes like just juice. So. <laughs> it's so good. We went the other night um, to try their burger because they also, I feel like they're making 
I mean, I'm not very good at it, but I really appreciate businesses and people who are making an effort to like incorporate more Maori into yes. their business. And they have so much of that on their menu. They do. Um, and when they had the whole thing about ordering your burger and with the um, bit that you could order off that you could read on, my boyfriend was really into that because he's got these books and he sits at home and he reads me out phrases. Cute. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. So we're both like trying, trying a bit harder to like learn learn a bit more um so that was one of the reasons why i went and we wanted to try the burger and stuff like yeah. that did so, you try the beer with the burger it's the like pickle. pickle no i haven't tried it with their burger but we tried it with another burger and thoughts? it literally tastes like you just poured like pickle juice into beer so i'm not a huge i wouldn't yeah. drink it by itself but ben had it with a fish burger and he said together they went really well so yeah, lame. that's exactly what Claire at Moon said. Because yeah. I was like, what are we feeling about this pickle burger? And yeah, that's what, exact same. With the burger, yes, but not by itself. Yeah, yeah. And I just like, I don't drink that much, especially because it's one of my like migraine triggers. Some days mm. I can't and some days I just risk it anyway. I'm like, fuck it, I want to drink this beer. Yeah. So I have to really like it. Um, and at the moment, I'm very much into Double Vision Brewery. Mm. They have this beer called Smooth Operator that tastes like a vanilla milkshake. Wow. It's so good. <laughs> so I just pretty much exclusively drink that if I'm going to drink a beer. That's great. Or the peach, all the peach bomb. Yeah, that sounds really good. What yeah. was the other burger you had? Um, that was at Well on the plate. Oh yeah. Um, because I supply desserts to them, so kind of had to try it out, and it was really tasty nice. too. I'm very like. I don't really like Wellington on a plate. This is a very controversial opinion. Um, and I'm really over everyone going and, like, all of a sudden everyone's a fucking food critic. And they're like, this burger was a little bit soggy. Seven out of yeah, ten. Like, yes, I got this yes. on Uber Eats, so it wasn't as premium. So I give it a six out of ten. And, like, I think I just find it frustrating because a lot of people don't tell the people when they're there they don't say like this doesn't really taste very good or I don't really like yeah. this so then they can't fix it but also like those poor chefs are getting fucking slammed yes. the businesses are not making any money on those burgers even though you think it's like a lot that they're charging for it they're not making any money wow. um and you know the chefs are doing like huge hours to try and get everything done mm. and then you come in and you're like this isn't the best thing I've ever eaten. Seven out of ten. It just really frustrates me. Yeah. I think being on the other side, it frustrates me a lot. Well, the chef, Russell, at Moon, <laughs> said yesterday that he, that was his, uh, end of next week, he would have worked 25 days in a row. Yeah. It's, and like, yeah. It's could, a lot. That's way too much. Yeah. And every restaurant kind of has to do that. Because yeah. you don't have, you don't have the capacity. And also it's just like, I know. I also feel like it's really tough for people who um, don't make it into like the Instagrammer mm. scene. Your burger might be amazing, but because a few people didn't try it, all of a sudden you're not. That will go into yeah. The but you have to do it if you're in a Wellington business. Otherwise, people just won't go to yeah. for a month. Yeah, but you still have to pay like the fees, regardless of how many burgers you sell, and you still have to deal with all of that. And it's quite a lot. A lot of money that you end up paying into just it. for the joy of being part of the festival. Yeah. Well, one that I've heard about that I really want to try is in Kilburnie at 
a Malaysian restaurant. Kapoor, oh. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Can't, yeah. Oh, I can't remember that. the name of it. But yes. It's like on the, I know where it is. On the yeah. corner, yeah. yeah they and, do really nice, like, satay sticks. Yeah, yum. See, it's all veggie and the, the burger is between two roti. Oh. Yeah, I've had it on a few authorities, and so that's yeah. quite good. And I haven't seen that anywhere else because, mm. like, it's, I'm like, oh, where are all the veggie burgers? Like, what one can we have? And then that was the only one. Like, it's quite hard to like filter through all. Yeah, the list of them. Yeah, like, oh my god. Someone's made an Excel spreadsheet, which I don't really understand how to use, but you can like literally click on a button, and it'll just be like all the vegetarian ones there, or all the chicken mm. ones, or all the fish ones. Oh, so you that's can a great amazing. idea. And people put a lot of energy into it. Oh yeah, my god, these, like, these, like, some of my clients bloggers. are literally going every single meal. Yeah, to try. Everything how? so expensive, yeah. like they've got nice couches, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> but think of how much nicer a couch you could buy with all if you saved up all of your burger money, yeah, so oh true, yeah. Yeah, 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 crazy for for the like fourth living room that I have at my house. Yeah. <laughs> have you been to Mason yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very delicious. It is. It yeah. is. It's like the new hot restaurant in Wellington that everyone's talking about. Yeah. And it's very close to here. And yeah, close very, to very yeah, dangerous. Good, yeah, <laughs> good good um good vibe, like Aesthetic. aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. I can I can definitely see that. Yeah. I love that. There's there's a lot of places that I just like I went to um that new I always say it wrong, I know it's not how you pronounce it, but the new faux place. Yeah, in Dixon Street. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, is amazing. Yeah, I love Ban Me. Oh, but I do have to give a shout out to, and I always do this on Instagram. Tai Tara, their duck noodle soup. Just go and get it. Yeah, so good. I haven't, I haven't had it in ages. I've been dropping my game, but it is so good. You could get it tonight, and if it starts raining, then it'll just be like the perfect evening for a bit of duck soup. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming over to join us. It's been very interesting, and having me, (laughs) just keep doing what you're doing. It's really, it's really fun. It is really fun to watch. Yeah, and I feel like. you have got like way more stories to tell as well. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. You come on the podcast, you're now our friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it only took three years. Yeah, living in Wellington and AB being like, you need to meet Maxine. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, please go and follow Maxine on Instagram for. Food porn, cake porn, pastry porn, um, sugarflower.welly. Yeah. Sugar.flower. Sugar.flower.welly. Yeah. Yeah. And keep up with the Instagram lives if you're interested. Yeah. If you're looking to cheer yourself up, there's a really good video of me dropping a pastry. I watched it this Um, morning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just just scroll down whenever you're in a bad mood. You can just, it will instantly cheer you up. So, so funny. Was that like security camera? Or was it we no, on it was a live? during a live? Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I went to the den- everyone. I went to the dentist, and they were just like they were too busy laughing at the video because one oh. person mentioned it, and they were like, "No, we haven't seen it." All of a sudden, everyone was just watching. Oh, it. that's so like, good. My teeth are still here. <laughs> Hi, I'm paying for this. Yeah. I'm paying for this. Oh, and we end every episode with a hangover. Does anyone have one? A little nugget of 
Mm, wisdom or wisdom. funness? Um, not that I have anything fun. I'm not fun. Um, <laughs> and that's the hangover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just buy the couch. Yeah. yeah. Everyone buy the couch. right now, buy the couch. Buy the couch. The couch. Yeah, yeah. Yes. do it. Especially if it's green velvet. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. You've got to be happy. you got to yeah. spark joy when you yeah. walk into your lounge. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.